And we have been working through the book of First Peter in this series we're calling Exiles. Today is the, uh, next week will be the last sermon actually uh, of this series. And then we're going to start a new series uh, that's going to be called Miracles. Maybe you saw the banner here, uh, the running announcements. And we're going to talk about, it's not like training and how to do miracles, this kind of thing. But we're going to talk about like the uh, eight miracles of Jesus. Yeah, that you can find through the book of John. And understand like the reason and the purpose uh, of the miracles Jesus performed. So I think it's going to be awesome. And yeah, so and today we, we are in First uh, Peter 4, verse 12 to 19. So while you're trying to find it, I'll give you some a brief context before you get into this text. So Peter, in his letter, he's aiming to... Uh, teach the Christians and how to live in what he calls the exile. And not necessarily because they were forced to live in a country they were not born. But because when they are born again, when they become Christians, they become foreigners to the world, to the whole world. So there is no place for you if you're a Christian in this world, other than what? The community of the exiles, the church. And while we, we are waiting for the king our King Jesus Christ to come back and establish His kingdom. And that's important to understand because very frequently, we Christians will feel compelled to find ways to be comfortable in this world, as Matt was saying here at the beginning. It feels good to be in a place like that, have AC and every, every comfort we have. But I'm, I'm not even talking about this kind of comfort or, or being comfortable financially or healthy-wise. But... Sometimes we start compromising our faith because we don't want to feel too strange in this world. In a world that is constantly moving in a direct direction that is contrary to the Word of God. And through, through this letter, Peter teaches us that we should expect to be, to be misunderstood, to be vilified, to be persecuted. And people will be surprised by the way we live because we don't join them in the practice of sin, as we saw last week. And we, we are called to endure all kinds of trials. We are called to submit to authorities. And in all this, to live a life of fear and obedience to God, a life that glorifies God. And Peter is constantly remembering us to set our hope in the second coming of Jesus. So in this short text we are studying today, Peter gives us more insight into how we should face suffering and how we should understand it. So we're going to have the text here on the screen. 1 Peter 4, verse 12 says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fire trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though some, something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Verse 14. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet, if anyone suffers a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? 
And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will, be, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Amen. Oh, one more. Therefore, let those who suffer according to, the, according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Let's pray before we study. God, we, we are so thankful because we can gather in your name. As Matt was saying, not because human authorities, they, they give us permission to do that, but because Jesus died on the cross and by his blood, he made us your possession. We belong to you, God. And as exiles in this earth, we want to learn from your word how to glorify you in season and out of season. And that our lives in all the aspects can bring glory to you and that we can remain faithful to your word and to the grace we receive. I ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit can be working in our midst in, in this moment. We don't want it to be just more, one more service, one more Bible study, but that, that we can have our lives changed. That we can have our eyes opened to see what you're trying to show us, our ears open to hear your voice. And that we can receive new hearts to, to feel and understand your word. And to love your word. To love Jesus. And that's what we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, so we are going to divide our text in four parts. So we're going to have four lessons on suffering. Um, I, go, I want to start by, maybe you heard about what's called the problem of suffering. Some atheists or skeptics in general, they, they, they will say the problem of suffering is Christianity's biggest problem. Uh, some people uh, know about the problem of evil. Maybe you heard about that. The problem of suffering is a variation of this. But when we talk about evil, we are doing a moral claim. We, are, we need to understand like, and say what, what is evil and what is good. So that's why they, they now came up with this problem of suffering, because I don't need to have this moral discussion. And suffering is something that everyone experiences, that everyone understands. So some people will propose this challenge to Christianity. And the challenge is the following. They, they come up with these four affirmations. If God's all-powerful, he could do something to prevent or end suffering. If God's all-loving, he would want to prevent our end suffering. And there is a tremendous amount of suffering in the world. Therefore, God either is not all-loving or not all-powerful. Or maybe he does not exist. And that, I think that's how many of people think today, even Christians sometimes. So in face of all suffering in the world, our God's not all-loving or he's not all powerful. And if God's not all loving or, or not all powerful, 
Is he really worthy of our praise and worship? That's the question you should ask. Or if God's not our love and our powerful, wouldn't be the Bible a lie? Because the Bible says he's all love and all powerful. And in this case, even if there is a God, he's not the God of Christianity. Well, the big problem with this argument is on the assumption that is made on the second statement. If God is all loving, he would want to prevent or end all suffering. This affirmation comes up from a perspective that some of, of us, maybe many of us, hold to. That we, everything we do in life is to avoid suffering. Everything we do in a sense is primarily to avoid suffering. We work, we study, we eat, we exercise, and everything because we want to have a pleasing life. And a pleasing life starts with a life without suffering. Many of us think that diminishing suffering should be our priority as humans. And probably our biggest fears are related to some kind of suffering, right? We fear losing people we love because we don't want to, to them to suffer. And we don't want to suffer their absence. Too. We fear sickness because we fear the pain and suffering the sickness can inflict on us. And so on. And because it's natural for us to, to hate and avoid suffering, we end up projecting this in God. And we think we, he thinks the same way we think. But if you know the Bible and you really understand what Christianity is about, you know the, the biblical perspective on suffering is very different. So in the text we are studying today, when we start in verse 12, we see that Peter says, Beloved, do not be surprised. Do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. As though something strange were happening to you. The first lesson of suffering is this. Do not be surprised by it. Do not be surprised. There is nothing strange happening to you when a fiery trial comes upon you. If you read the whole Bible you see that God has always used suffering to perfect and purify His people and to show that His grace is sufficient to us. And if you read what Jesus taught in the Gospels, you know that suffering is not something that we should, should surprise us, as Peter is saying here. So I just want to show you a few verses. John 16, 33. That's Jesus' words. He says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Or maybe Matthew 5, 10 to 11 says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile and persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you, falsely on my account. Matthew 16, 24 to 25. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That's suffering. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Or John 15, 18 to 19. If the world hates you, 
Know that it has hated me before. Before I hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I choose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Jesus was always warning us of the suffering and trials of the Christian life, the, the suffering and trials we will face. And even more, if we follow him. So if you understand that being a Christian means to follow Christ, and even more than that, it means to be united with Christ. The church is the body of Christ. So if Christ suffered in his body, if he suffered the lack of material things, if he suffered being rejected and reviled and betrayed and killed, when we go through the same things, it's a sign that we are united to him. And it takes us to our, our, our next lesson. Peter, in verse 13, he says, But rejoice, rejoice so far, as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. So suffering is not something strange to us, and it's something in which we, in which we are called to rejoice. The person who does not trust God and does not trust His plans has all the reasons to be anxious and worried and fear when things go wrong. But we Christians, we don't see suffering this way. We rejoice in suffering. We rejoice. We rejoice in suffering because of suffering. We share Christ's suffering. We don't rejoice because we are weird people who take pleasure in being mistreated, humiliated, or abused. We don't take pleasure in physical pain because caused by anything. Because that's not the point Peter is doing here. That's not the point Jesus made. But we rejoice because we share in Christ's suffering. That's what Paul says in Philippians 3.10 when he says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and I may share his sufferings, share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. So many times we Christians, we want to become like, like Christ just on the good things. I want to be loving like Christ. I, I want to have good works like Christ. I want to even kill my sin and be pure like Christ. But very few of us want to become like Christ in his death. Very few of us want to become like Christ in his rejection, in his betrayal, and he has betrayed. Very few of us want to den deny ourselves and follow him to the cross. And very few of us want to be actual disciples. Because that's what it means to be a disciple of Christ. And maybe you live to avoid suffering. And you fear suffering because you don't see this as a chance to know Christ more. And that's the shift we need in our perspective. And maybe by studying now you understand that, but you, 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 you just realize, I don't love Christ, Christ enough to be willing to suffer if that's the price to know him more I'm, I'm okay just knowing him in the other things just a little bit 
But suffering from a biblical perspective bring, brings a lot of benefits. It perfects and purifies us. Suffering will refine and make our faith purer. Suffering will bring a more intimate and deeper relationship with Jesus. Many people say, I want to have a deeper relationship with Jesus. But they don't want to suffer. They want to go to a service and have a hype. But they don't want to suffer. They don't want to join the sufferings of Christ. So that, maybe that's the prayer you need to pray today. Maybe you need to say, Jesus, I want you to love you so much and, and I want you to desire holiness so much that if suffering is the price to know you more and to be more holy, I'll gladly take it. And the thing is, suffering will come. This is not like you can run from suffering. You like it, you like it or not. Because God will do what's best for you. Because He is a good Father. What needs to be aligned here is your, your and my attitude. You can fear and be anxious and, and worry, or you can rejoice in it. And Peter gives us the reason for it. When he says in verse 13, the second part, he says, but rejoice. And then he says, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Jesus is glorified right now. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. But His glory is not yet revealed. And it's coming the day when He will come back and His glory will be made clear to everyone. And in that day, the ones who rejoice in sharing Christ's suffering will also rejoice and be glad. Why? Because all their hope in the, was the, in the coming of Jesus. Because they know that when, when they see the glory of Jesus, when the glory of Jesus is revealed, their suffering is coming to an end forever. The people who rejoice in sharing Christ's suffering and put their hope in His coming are the ones who are actually willing to end suffering. Most people, they are seeking a quick escape from suffering and in consequence, something that will not endure. But Christians who learn to rejoice in suffering in this life, are looking for an eternal solution for their suffering. So rejoicing in suffering is not accepting less, but more. It's looking for what, what is eternal and perfect. And that's the thing, if, if, if you are doing everything you can to avoid suffering in this life, the bad news is you will not avoid suffering. Suffering will find you. You cannot escape. But in Christianity, we, we can embrace suffering and use the mom, moments of suffering as an opportunity. And with the assurance that the suffering is coming to an end forever. And I can rest now. And I don't need to spend my whole life trying to not die or trying to not suffer, trying to not be sick, trying to have money enough. I'm free to live because I know that even if I die, even if I suffer, I'll live and I'll, I'll have peace forever and suffering will be ended because our Savior lives. But now in verses 14 16, Peter calls us to evaluate the cause of our suffering. So he says, let's read it again. It says, if you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. 
because the spirit of glory of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or a thief, or an evildoer, or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Some people who are not Christians, they might have a similar view of life and similar view of suffering. It's kind of, you just live once. So they use this as an excuse to do anything that is stupid or evil they want to do. And if they suffer, they take pleasure in at least having done whatever they wanted. But that's not the case for us. That's what Peter is saying here. Peter is saying here we should evaluate the cause of our suffering. The, the, the reason your suffering matters. And we can say there are three different reasons for our suffering. So the first one, we can suffer for the name of Christ, for the sake of Christ. And it means we can face suffering because we are following Jesus. And this is manifest through persecution of all types. People can insult you, vilify you, or beat you, or reject you, or even you just can have a hard time uh, having building relationships, having a relationship with your family and friends, or finding a job, among other things, because you're, you're, you're seeking to be faithful to Jesus. And if that's the kind of suffering you're facing, good for you, you are blessed. That's what Peter is saying here. The spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. You have so many reasons to rejoice. God found you worthy of suffering for his name. And there is no bigger blessing. The second reason we can suffer, you can suffer for doing something wrong. And in this case, you have nothing to be proud of or to rejoice. What you need is to repent. That's all of us. We need to repent. Because sometimes we suffer because we sin. And we need to seek to have our lives transformed by the gospel. Much of the suffering in our lives is self-inflicted. All the sins we commit, they will harm ourselves and will harm people around us. And the, the gospel is this call to repent and turn from the sin. And turn from this kind of suffering. That's what Peter says. Don't suffer as a thief, as a murderer, as a meddler. But we have a third group here. Many of us will suffer because of things that are not exactly the result of doing something wrong. But it's not because we are following Jesus either. Some people suffer because of natural disasters. Because of sickness or political problems. Or national financial crisis or war. And you can say, I'm not suffering because I did something evil, but I'm not suffering as well exactly for being a Christian. So is this suffering like meaningless? And for those who are suffering this category, you might not be suffering because you're a Christian, but the thing is you can suffer as a Christian. Jesus went through all the kind of suffering. People he loved died. We see this in the Bible. He had to work to pay his bills and taxes, high taxes. He experienced all kinds of political and financial problems Israel faced during his time on earth. The Bible says Jesus 
being God, emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. He suffered from all kinds of deprivation. But the thing is, he suffered with faith. He suffered all those things without grumbling. He suffered in holiness. And that's how we should suffer. We need to suffer in holiness. And when we suffer like that, we know that in a way we are sharing in the sufferings of Christ. And you can find joy in the suffering because you know that God's working everything for your good. And for this last group, it, it's not exactly about the reason you're suffering, but about the way you're suffering. And that's why we are called to submit you to all the authorities as we see during this series. This, this series. Even when they do evil against us. Because even if you're not suffering exactly for being Christians, we ought to suffer as Christians. When people revile us, we blast back them. And our last point is that we should entrust our souls to God when suffering. That's the last lesson. Peter says in verse 17, For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Some things we can learn from this passage is the time of judgment comes for the household of God too. But the difference is that when the judgment comes, the trials come upon the people of God, His church, it's not for a destruction or a condemnation, but to purge and sanctify us. Because that's what Peter says. He said, rejoice. God's using those things. It's God as our good Father bringing discipline so we can grow in holiness and Christ-likeness. And the question Peter asks here is that if the judgment come even upon the church, if suffering come, even upon Christians, upon those who are loved by God, what will be the outcome for those who are out of Christ? If the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of those of the ungodly and the sinner? Church, sufferings and, and, and suffering and trials are the test of our faith. Our faith is proven to be genuine when it resists the hard times in life. And the, the, the truth is, and I, I think you can agree with me, when we face real suffering, we discover how small our faith it is. But we are saved by the grace of God, not by the size of our faith. We are saved by the object of our faith, Jesus Christ, because He was perfect. Not us. So in this case, for the ungodly and the sinner, they will not find salvation. They will become nothing. That's the answer for Peter's question here. But then he says, But therefore let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. So here we can learn two things. Different from the second premise, premise of the problem of suffering, 
which says, if God's all loving, he would want to prevent or end suffering. Peter here tells us that there is suffering according to the will of God, our faithful creator. So here's where the whole challenge breaks. According to the Bible, God, God is all loving, he's faithful, and no, he does not want to prevent and end suffering. At least not right now. And that's the tricky thing. Maybe if you haven't listened with attention to, the, to everything I just said, you might be thinking, so Christianity is a religion of suffering. Why would we want to follow this kind of religion? This kind of thing. But it's quite the opposite. Christianity is all about joy. That's what Peter is saying. We need to rejoice. And we are so happy that we can find joy, even while suffering. And it's not like we, we make peace with suffering and death. No, the difference is that we are looking for, we are not looking for temporary relief for our suffering, but we want eternal freedom from it. And we understand that there is just one way to conquer it, and it's through faith in Jesus Christ, and by entrusting our souls to our faithful Creator, while doing good, as Peter says. So Christianity is about understanding that suffering is unavoidable because it's the result of our sin. Does not matter much how, how much you avoid suffering. It, it, it will always find you because the root cause is inside of you. It's inside of us. And the only way to find freedom from, 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 from it is by putting our faith in Christ and being born again. And that's why we long for the return of Christ, for his, his grace and His glory to be revealed to us. Because we have this hope that when He comes, everything will be made right, including us. Sin will be removed from creation. Sin will be removed from us. And when we see Him, when we, we immediately know that suffering came to an end. When we see him, when we see Jesus, we will be sure that there is no more tears. There is no more pain. There is no more cancer. There is no more broken relationships. There is no more depression, no more pandemics, no more famine, no more injustice, no more racism, no more wars, no more loneliness, no more, no more natural disasters. Everything will be made perfect. And that's why we should long to see Jesus face to face. He is the only hope we have. And that's the hope I want to invite you to experience today. That's the joy and happiness I want you to experience. I mean, I'm inviting you because I taste from it. And I, I want you to know that you can be free from, from this anxiety, this fear. That you carry everywhere you go. You don't need to be concerned about suffering anymore because there is an all-loving and all-powerful and faithful Creator. And He does what He wants and He can accomplish what He promised. And He wants to save us. And maybe for you, you think like, whatever, that's not for me. I'm living the best life now. My friend, suffering will come for you. 
And it's better to be prepared now. A soldier don't, don't, don't wait to, to prepare during the battle. But he prepared before the battle. So today put your faith in the hope and the promises that come from God in the person of Jesus Christ. Because that's the answer for all the suffering we're going to face in this life. Amen? Let's pray.